Another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz as we talk the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. Iowa football, another victory. Make it four in a row as they beat Nebraska 26-20. Iowa hoops off to a 2-0 start as we await tonight's matchup with the Leathernecks of Western Illinois. And, of course, next week it is the ACC Big Ten Challenge with North Carolina and the matchup with Iowa State still on deck. Biz, back at it. How are you? Good. It's good to be a Hawkeye fan right now. There's a lot to be excited about. Uh, you know, it wasn't the, wasn't the prettiest win over Nebraska of all time, but uh, I really you know, I was impressed with the resolve of that team. It looked really bad late in the second quarter and early third quarter. It looked like things were about ready to uh, come undone, and, and they really responded well on both sides of the ball. I thought offensive adjustments, we made some good ones the last 25 minutes, and defensive adjustments uh, – as usual, Phil Parker uh, made the adjustments necessary and, and put the clamps down because uh, it, it looked pretty shaky there for a while. But credit on both sides of the ball. I thought Brian Ferentz made some nice adjustments and, and Phil did his usual uh, genius work. It's been uh, very interesting to see Iowa in these second halves. And we talked early in the season about their struggles in the third quarter. The adjustments have been made and differences in, in the different way that they have played throughout this season I don't think that it's anything a whole lot different that they're doing but this team has been playing better in the second half over the last month of the season what do you attribute that to to biz if anything is it just some magic elixir are they actually going in and scheming differently at halftime what do you think it is I thought part of what they did well on on Black Friday was they just kind of let Jack Campbell roam I mean the last 25 minutes, they basically said to Jack Campbell, you're just going to be a quarterback spy and, you know, do what you need to do. And, and he is – he's already really, really good, but he has a chance to be great. I mean, I, I think, you know, I've heard people mention Chad Greenway, you know, Josie Jewell. I mean, he has a chance to be that level good. And, you know, I don't think it's a real real stretch to say if he doesn't get mono at the start of the year, this is uh, potentially and even probably a 6-0 team. I mean, I, I mean – He's obviously not the only reason that we've made adjustments, but he played, as far as I, as far as I saw, I think he played every down the last 25 minutes or whatever, which is the first time that he's you know, he's been splitting snaps. And Seth Benson certainly seems to be a good linebacker as well, but uh, there's a difference between good and, and special, and Jack Campbell certainly seems to be uh, in that second category. Yeah, it's wild watching him, too. He's a big guy. He's a tall guy, 6'5". When he's making plays, you just don't see linebackers at that kind of size. And with the movement that he has, I saw him a lot at the high school level, both on the hardwood. He was a pretty good basketball player, but also on the football field. And just how more natural he was as a football player compared to a basketball player, it was crazy to watch. And at that frame, initially I think a lot of people thought he was targeted, defensive end, do something like that. Keep that dude a middle linebacker. To run at that size, to make those kind of plays, you're absolutely right. That has been a lot of fun to watch. And and the other thing, I was able to do that and put him as a spy because that wide receiver group is really bad from Nebraska. Cade Warner, Oliver Martin, they just don't have a lot there. Robinson's more of a guy that you put in the slot, do some different things, get him the ball on jet sweeps and the like, but there's just not a whole lot of talent there. Martinez was okay. At least we look at completion percentage, but they never could push the ball up the field against the Hawks. Well, I just think the way that Iowa defense is constructed, you know, when we have that 
special middle linebacker, that's when you really see Iowa defenses shine because, you know, the way we're set up with that front four is to take on blocks and let those linebackers roam. And, you know, you look back, you know, when Christian Welch kind of turned the corner and became really good, that's when that defense shined. And this year, I mean, now that Campbell is, is doing that, and obviously the Josie Jewell years, I mean, linebackers are just so incredibly important in that Phil Parker scheme. And so it's, you know, I saw there was an article, I think it was in, I think it was in the register, talking about how, you know, linebacker went from being probably one of the bigger question marks at the start of the year to probably one of our, if not the, strongest uh, position group out there right now because you've got Campbell and Benson that are both shining. Neiman's playing well as a senior, and by all accounts, it sounds like both uh, Jacobs and uh, the Higgins kid are both good good as well. So uh, it, it went from a, a question mark to a strength, that's for sure. Been fun to watch, and uh, as always, Phil Parker, the job he does, absolutely incredible. But that's not all from the game. We got to see Sassy Kirk out there once again doing his thing, laughing, scoffing, snorting at Scott Frost, being a little bitch and whining about clapping on the sidelines. Boy, it's fun to see. I love this version of Kirk Ferentz. Well, I love this version of uh, Scott Frost as well. I mean, <laughs> he just can't he can't contain himself. I mean, the more it just it reminds me so much of Steve Alford. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just he can't his true colors just keep shining through week after week after week. I mean, he's now what almost three years into it, and he still loves to bring up how bad Mike Riley was. I mean, Mike Riley was twice as good as him as a coach. I mean, Mike Riley's record, I think, was something like he won like fifty-five percent of his games through three years, and you know, he just he can't. He constantly shows his true colors, and I agree. It was great to see Kirk Ferentz. Uh, Rather than just try to ignore it, I mean, he took it head on. And you know, I, I looked at the athletic. I was reading. Uh, I think his name's Joel Sherman, who's the Nebraska guy. He wrote a really good article about it, um, just talking about you know the clap gate or whatever you want to call it. And it was interesting because the responses from Nebraska fans, pretty much across the board, were negative towards Frost. I mean, I think they're. I think the you get the idiots obviously online that are always going to say they do, but it. I was surprised that the, the vast, vast majority of Nebraska fans, I think, are sick of his act as well. Which is uh, crazy to think from where they are, but 10-19, to 19, that'll do it. Tim Brewster had a better record at Minnesota than Frost has here almost three years into his tenure. We're not here to talk about the Cornhuskers, though. It's uh, Though it is fun to watch them. Kirk, what do you think this is? What What's the reasoning behind this in your mind, Biz? It is... And what happened this summer and Kirk just basically saying blanket, I'm going to go out and do my thing and I'm going to go down the way that I am. Do you think that played a role in what we've seen always such a buttoned up? I mean, the press conferences for the last 22 years, it's the same platitudes that you have week in and week out coming out of Kirk's mouth. Mouth. It's been a whole lot different there. What do you attribute that to? Well, I, I give Kirk credit because, I mean, I think even before this, you know, three or four years ago, you know, you talk about Kirk 2.0 and 3.0, and, and you know, there's always the old complaints about, you know, we, we're not aggressive on fourth down and we don't do this and we don't do that. You know, I think Kirk's made a lot of changes over the last five, six, you know, basically since the end of that 2014 year. I, I think Kirk realized what they were doing just wasn't working. And I think, you know, 
I think he's made some subtle changes for a lot longer. But the last two incidents, the one with, with Fleck and with Frost, I, I attribute it more to Fleck and Frost than anything. I, I just think he doesn't like those two. I think they they annoy him. And, you know, when you get guys, I mean, I think they're both, from what I've heard, they both are kind of shady recruiters. They do a lot of negative recruiting and, and really uh, talk down about Iowa. And, and I think he's just sick of it. So, you know, I think this has been, in some ways, a long time coming. And uh, like you said, it, it's fun to see. I, I like seeing it. It's, uh, you know, he uh, was buttoned up and quiet for a long time, but I think you're probably seeing a little more of his true personality now than, than what you saw those first 15 years. So it's a November that finishes up an undefeated streak, 4-0 throughout the month as we Flip the calendar now to December and wait the matchup with Illinois coming up on the 5th. Stepway went to work. What do you have, Biz, for us this week in a November to remember? I, at Stepway, I just had him give him a simple assignment of seeing if this was the, the best November Iowa's ever had. But, you know, before we get into that, Trent, I did want to just say, I mean, you know, it's, before we get into Stepway's info, it's amazing the turnaround this team has had in a month. I mean, it's just really impressive. You look back, Halloween night, we, we lost in very frustrating fashion to Northwestern, and then our probably most recognizable senior player goes out and gets uh, an OWI and is quite honestly lucky he didn't uh, kill someone. Mm-hmm. You know, Iowa football could have easily, easily imploded this last month. It, it could have went downhill quickly, and we could have been talking about a total different narrative with this team. We could be talking about, you know, Kirk Ferentz needs to go, need to blow it up and start over from scratch. It's been pretty easy to do that, given all the issues this program's had over the last nine months. But uh, instead, we're talking about uh, spicy, sassy Kirk Ferentz and how much fun he is. So, you know, before we get into the numbers, I I think it's just important to give credit where credit's due. The coaching staff, the players, the program in general, they've really, uh, it's an impressive month, what they've done. And I didn't think it was going to happen. Certainly not at this level. And oh, I didn't either. From what they what they saw, even if the schedule is not as difficult as maybe it looked uh, coming into the season, we both thought Michigan State was going to be down. Minnesota's had all kinds of COVID issues and maybe even more going on inside that program. Nebraska game was tough, but Iowa found a way to get it done. It wasn't overly daunting, but still 4-0 is incredibly good. Going to guess there weren't a whole lot of schedules that broke this way, but Stat Boy did the work. What does he have? Well, again, simple question to Stat Boy. Is it the best November ever? And you know, I think you're, it's close, but no, it's not. Um, so just to break it down, we won 4-0, obviously, in November and outscored our opponents by 96 points, so 24 points a game. Um, and when you go back and look at the numbers, Stat Boy really outdid himself. because Again, this is one where he didn't stop at the Hayden era. He went back to the uh, – you know, the, the early 1900s to look, look these up, Trent. So um, this is the the 10th undefeated November we've had in the last 40 years. When you look at the, the Fry and Ferentz era, fourth time Kirk's done it. Um, and I think probably, you can probably argue that 2002 was the best November, given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. They went uh, 3-0 and in 2002 that year, average wins by, by 31 a game, and obviously ended with the Big Ten title and, and got to go to the uh, the Orange Bowl that year. So hard to argue that that one wasn't uh, the best one. 
But then Hayden did it six times, including the only other time where we actually played four games in November and went 4-0. That was in 1991. But the amazing thing, Trent, that you find from, from Stat Boy's info is just how bad Iowa football was before the Hayden Fry era. Because before Hayden Fry got here, you want to guess how long you got to go back before we had an undefeated, undefeated November? Well, he did it in 1981. I'm going to guess you got to go back to the 50s, right? No, you are, you're off by uh, three decades. Oh, no. 1922. Howard Jones. 1922. We played, more, played three games or more and uh, won them all. So uh, a 60-year gap in there. And the stat boy pulled up what – by numbers alone, easily the most impressive member of all time. you got to go back to 1905. <laughs> Our coach at the time was John uh, John Chalmers. Of course. Uh, yeah. Super Nintendo Chalmers uh, <laughs> led us to a 4-0 year. The teams we played, we beat Des Moines 72-0. That's a good win. We took on Drake 44-0. We beat the Hated Cyclones 8-0 and then ended the month going to the big city of St. Louis and playing St. Louis and beat them 31-0. to zero. So, uh, uh, You just don't walk into Billiken Stadium and expect to walk away with a 31 nothing victory, but they did it. Exactly. So, so from numbers alone, they, uh, they outscored their opponents uh, 155 to nothing that month. So John Chalmers had them rolling. So, so the interesting thing, again, you look at how horrible this program was for a while. That boy, again, he goes above and beyond. He looked at the flip side, what were the worst Novembers in Iowa history? Um, the good news is only four times in the Ferentz and Fry era have we had winless Novembers. Um, can, you, can you remember the last one? A winless November. What was the year they fell apart, uh, finished 6-6? Six and six. Because the year they lost to Western, uh, Western Michigan at the end, they're actually playing decent football. Yep. Oh, boy. You're correct on the fell apart six and six here. That's not the last one, but that's one of the four. Okay. 2000, that was 2006. That was the Drew Tate senior year. Yep. We just melted down and lost 1-0-3 in November. The most recent one was actually 2012. Probably the worst team in the last two decades. We went 4-8 and eight and uh, 0-3 in November. The other two times are pretty justifiable. It was uh, – Hayden's last year in 98, mm-hmm. and then uh, Kirk's first year in 99. So uh, it doesn't happen often, or it hasn't happened often in the last 40 years. But uh, you go back to the 60s and 70s, Trent, it happened with a shocking regularity. <laughs> 64, 65, 66, and 67 for a, a 40-year stretch. We didn't win a single game in November. We went 0-13 during that stretch. That senior class did not win a game in November. No, no. And so then it happened again in the early 70s. We went from 71, 72, 73, and 74. They went a total of 1 and 15. They did eke out, in 1972, they eked out a 15-14 win over the Fighting Illini. So uh, you look back, why Hayden chose to ever come here is, uh, is – beside me and uh, the fact that he had turned it around and the fact that we've been a good 
an occasionally great football program for, for four decades now is pretty amazing because uh, the cover was really, really bare before he got here. Good news, he came and uh, made his way up here because uh, who knows what these last 40 years would have been like without him. But here we are, Biz. Uh, anything else from Stat Boy on the docket this week? Now that's it. Uh, so now we get to turn to December football, which uh, obviously doesn't happen very often other than bowl games. So uh, we, we get a chance to have the best December of all time now. Or the worst. You can go that direction too. Sorry, Lundy's. Yeah, sometimes they take a negative turn. All right, let's jump uh, into Illinois. Sometimes. Just, just, I want to put on the record last night, Trent, that you announced that Gonzaga will be scoring 115 or more. That's not them. what I said. Again, you know, you actually, whenever you hang up your Esquire hat, and, and if you want to you know, have a side gig working radio, you twist words like anybody's business. I said if Gonzaga played well, they'll score 115 plus. They will. I was still not good defensively in basketball. And Gonzaga, that team can score. We'll see how healthy Suggs is, but we're still weeks away from that. I, I agree with everything you said there, except the 115 number is just absurd, Trent. What? I, I, I pulled it up. You said play well. Do you want to know what you actually said? What did I say? If they even play decent, yeah. they'll score 115-plus versus the Hawks. Yeah. Even play decent. I agree with everything you said. Gonzaga is a very good basketball team, has a very good offense. But 115 is uh, – that one, there's your assignment for next year. How many times have we ever given up 115? Probably a couple times in the, uh, the complete non-defense era of the late 80s. There, but I, yeah. I can't imagine it's happened more than once or twice. Well, they gave up 104 last year to Purdue. They gave up what? Uh, what was that game against Michigan where they gave up over 100, 103 to Michigan? All right, 115 maybe a little bit hyperbolic here. Gonzaga's getting little. to 100 though. If I was not playing any defense. Oh, I, that, 100 I can see, Trent. That's not. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to say we're going to win this game or that Gonzaga's not that good. That's neither of those things are accurate, but. Uh, once that team's just silly. So. Speaking of that, have you uh, gotten a DraftKings Sportsbook account yet? No, I've not. So they had some advanced lines up for college basketball, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. They had the Carolina-Iowa game in there. Iowa was favored, I think, initially by five. Now it's four and a half. They initially had Gonzaga favored by a point and a half against Iowa. I jumped on that with the Zags. It got to four and a half, and now they have taken it off the board. Got to guess there was an onslaught of Gonzaga money that came in early there. Yeah, one and a half seems seems pretty low, but uh, either way, I'm just excited for that game. I think mm-hmm. it'll be uh, an entertaining game, and you know, as as I said last week, I'm all in on this team until they uh, prove otherwise. So uh, I think it'll be a fun game. And you know, the flip side of that is tonight's game. We uh, I, I, we're favored by I saw 36 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's got to be one of the highest uh, highest spreads that Iowa's ever had. Oh yeah, I, I can't imagine anything. Approaching that, you know, in past years, too, when you're talking about the SWAC, the MEAC, those two conferences, and I would play some buy games against teams from those conferences, they wouldn't have a line out. It's certainly not a Vegas line. Maybe you could find something offshore. But even games against D1 competition, but the lowest of the lowest levels of the D1, they wouldn't even have lines for it. So because of that, yeah, I'm going to guess right that you're not going to see anything at all biz close to this, certainly in recent history. Yeah, well, let's hope. Uh, I see Western Illinois hasn't played a game yet, and they got a new coach, and I think 
something like eight new players or something. So it could be a it could be a bloodbath. Should be should be a bloodbath though. They do have a dude. Uh, well, I, I like Rob Jeter, of course, his dad, Hawkeye quarterback back in the day. He is the coach now, at Western Illinois. He was at UW Milwaukee for a long time, but he went to the Mac Irvin uh, program in Chicago and hired one of the Irvins to to be his assistant coach. They already got a kid that was committed to Wake Forest that is now at Western Illinois. How big of a change is that? I'm going to go play in the ACC. Now I'm going to the Summit League, and I'm going to go hang out in Macomb, Illinois. Well, Wake Forest, is, uh, they've been pretty brutal the last few years. So, but yeah. Still. Yeah, it, is quite, it is quite the a gap, that's for sure. I got a uh, database here. I'm going to see if I can find anything as we're conversing about these big point spreads. But before that, Biz, uh, anything else on basketball? We'll talk Iowa, Illinois here in a moment, too. But anything else hoops-wise before, of course, next week when it really gets real with Carolina and Iowa State? No, I, I mean, obviously the first two games went as expected. But, I mean, I, I just, you know, across the board, this team just you – know, some nice surprises. Patrick McCaffrey certainly looks the part a lot better than he did last year. I mean, he reminds me of kind of a, a taller, probably all-around better version of Nick Bear. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a guy that uh, he's really good on the point of that press. He seems to be in the the right spot at the right time a lot. I mean, he just he obviously has very high basketball IQ, but then you add in uh, he's pretty darn athletic as well. And then you know Keegan Murray certainly looks to play. You know. He's going to play a part as well. I don't think once Nunji gets back, he'll probably play much, and, and hopefully we won't need him to play much, but he certainly doesn't look uh, overwhelmed by, uh, by playing right away. I mean, he's got, he's got some confidence. He's not afraid to put it up, and, and he's another guy that seems to be in the right place at the right time a lot. I uh, found the number I was looking for here. Uh, Iowa favored by 30 or more. My database goes back to 1995. It has happened seven times where they've been favored by 30 or more. Most recently against Savannah State a couple of years ago, they were favored by 34. They won that one 110-64 and got the cover. They have covered three of the last four when they've been favored that big. But this is the biggest point spread for an Iowa basketball game since 1995 when Iowa was favored by 41-and-a-half against Moorhead State. They won it by 25, so uh, Moorhead State with the cover in that one. But biggest one in 25 years coming up tonight with Western Illinois. Uh, it feels like it'll, it'll come down to whether uh, Nico Hobbs and uh, Nick Bears' <laughs> little brother can make some shots down the stretch because uh, I'm assuming at some point we'll probably be up by more than 36-and-a-half, but uh, you don't generally want to put a lot of money on uh, whether Nico Hobbs can finish it out for you. Not at all. All right, a uh, little football here. Uh, let's get back into – Iowa, Illinois, again, I'm not the most optimistic person as it pertains to the Hawkeyes, but do I have a reason to be nervous here? I just, I got a funny feeling about this one. No, honestly, I think the best thing that happened for this game is that they kicked the crap out of Nebraska. I think that really got our team's attention, and I think, you know, if Illinois was coming into this game you know, one and four or not played very well, I'd be more worried about it than the fact that they played well a couple weeks ago because I think they'll get our full attention. I think we'll come out and play well. I mean, the last two times we went to Champaign, we came out with shutouts. I mean, Phil clearly uh, clearly has a good read for what they want to do. Um, I mean, this isn't a bad Illinois team. It's probably the best one of the Lovey Smith era, which isn't saying much. But I, I don't know. I, 
I watch them play. They are uber aggressive on defense. They fly to the ball. They, they try to commit turnovers. But when you do that, you also you know expose yourself to some big plays. And, and I think we can take advantage of that aggressiveness. I think this is a game where we'll uh, we'll get a few big plays. Maybe Amir Smith Marcel will break one. And I know I, it's Iowa football, Trent. So you should always be a little bit worried. But I think this is this is a game. I, I feel pretty good that we go in and just take care of business. Quarterback. That's where I still am. Petrus looked really good early, and the numbers bear that out. Scott Gockerman in The Athletic, he had a really good article talking about how we've seen him come out pretty much every game and play really well early on. Is this something about the scripted plays, the first 12, 15, 20, whatever it is in the Iowa system that he's comfortable, and then after that, that interception was about as bad as it is. In Illinois, they can get turnovers. That's one thing. That's lovey ball is forcing turnovers, and I guess – that's where my hesitation comes most because I don't believe that Petrus is a guy that can get it done. They need him to – they're down 24-20. They need to drive a touchdown to win the game. you confident all the Petrus can get it done with three minutes to go? Oh, no, not at all. But I, don't, I just don't think that's going to happen in this game. I think we'll be up by 10 to 14 with three minutes to go. Mm-hmm. At least that's my, my hope. And I just – like I said, Illinois is not a bad football team. It's not a game where we can just walk in and uh, – you know, easily dominate them. And, but I, I, I don't know. I think this team has got they got the right mindset. I said I was really impressed. I know there's a certain part of our fan base that was disappointed that we didn't just go in and blow out Nebraska. But I actually was really impressed with the Hawks on, on Saturday. I thought we didn't play all that well, but I thought we responded really well. I just thought the last 25 minutes or so, once we fell behind 20 to 13, I wasn't sure if this team had the ability to. Uh, suck it up and come back, and, and, and they did. So, I don't know. I, I just think I think the team's got a good mentality right now, and I think they uh, they see the finish line, and I think they're probably uh, – I think they're going to come up play well on Saturday. All right, Biz. Football on the horizon. We'll make a pick on that game here coming up in just a moment. Time for our picks here on the Degener- Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. All right, Biz, uh, winning week again for you last week. You went 2-0. and Your best bet was wiped off the board, though, with Virginia and Florida State canceled. Mine was as well with West Virginia and Oklahoma. That game has been moved to next week. So here we are, the updated numbers as I have them. Arkansas Alley can check me out. You're 9-7-1 against the number. I am 5-10. Thank goodness for the uh, money that we have, the elite sportsbook account, because things not going very well here with my picks. Uh, I'm locked in right now, Trent, so I'm sure that will uh, come to an end quickly. The, the first bet's an easy one. Uh, I I've, I bought the Hawks for state wins, and there's no way I'm going to uh, buck that trend right now. So give me Illinois plus, I think it's 13 and a half now. So uh, give me the fighting love he's getting 13 and a half, and uh, I'll hope I continue to uh, buy the Hawks some victories. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to jump aboard again with you. I, I'm not doing it for more for the purposes that you're talking about. I just think this is going to be a little tighter game than a lot of people are thinking here, so I'm jumping with you in Illinois. My big 10 pick of the week, Indiana's now up to a 14-and-a-half point dog against Wisconsin. A, I'm not sure Wisconsin's very good. B, I know Michael Penix is out, but that defense is still pretty solid. They still got Scott running the football. Still really good receivers for the Hoosiers, and now a week to prepare with a new quarterback. 14-and-a-half just feels like too much, so I'm going to grab the Hoosiers with that extra hook in there now, plus 14 and a half. 
I'm going to go with what I did. Same thing I did last week, Trey. Give me, give me the, the Fighting Scarlet Knights. <laughs> Rutgers is a scrappy squad. Penn State, I think, uh, now that they got their one win, I can't imagine they're overly excited to go to lovely Piscataway and play. So I think Rutgers will make this a, a game and they even beat Penn State outright. So give me the Scarlet Knights plus 11 uh, taking on uh, the Nittany Lions. Now, I remember years ago you would rip me mercilessly if I took Rutgers, and I did it a couple of different times. And oh, now you're Mr. Scarlett. Up until right? two weeks ago, I said I was never betting Rutgers again. But this, this is a new age, This is a new era of Rutgers football. Greg Schia- with Greg Schiano involved, all bets are off. To- it's true. Guy can coach. There's no doubt about that. All right, Biz, what do you got for us, your best bet of the week? Well, I, I've been successful in the best bet trying to find teams that have quit on the year. I think the newest team to quit on the year is Virginia Tech, Trent. Their their quarterback up and walked away. Uh, They've had a couple other guys opt out. They've uh, just not played good football down the stretch. They're playing a Clemson team that I think is – Dabo is is a master motivator, and I think he's got this team locked in down the stretch, and I think they are just going to blow the doors off of Virginia Tech on on Saturday night. They're playing – National television game, I think they're going to come out and just destroy them. So give me the Tigers uh, minus 22.5. Minus 22.5 for Clemson. My best bet of the week, I'm going to the SEC. Arkansas going on the road to Missouri. Mizzou last week, it was a big national story with what happened there with the kicker position for Vanderbilt. What was missed, though, is Missouri just absolutely throttled them. Missouri's playing well. Arkansas was a fun story at the beginning of the year. They lose to LSU, had the game postponed a week ago. I just think Missouri right now is the better side. They're playing a lot better football. I think it'll be a good game, but I'm happy to lay the field goal. Give me Mizzou minus the three. Wow, just a, just a slap in the face to Arkansas Alley. It's, uh, <laughs> man, ever since you started auditing our picks, I guess you're just going to uh, yeah. picking this one on a fight? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that had something to do with it. Honestly, I usually go through the slate of games – Initially, I have 12 to 15 that I kind of have circled and want to start to do a little more research on. This week, that number is like six. I do not like this slate of games at all. And as I'm competing towards the top of the Hawkeye Super Contest, it makes me a little bit nervous. I might be might be all NFL this week. Well, it's a, it's a terrible week of football in general. I mean, as you know, with the pick them that we do each week, I have to try to find eight games that are competitive. I couldn't even find eight spreads that were uh, – Close. There's just not very many good football games out there right now, uh, with teams dropping out and teams basically quitting on the season. There's not a lot of uh, balanced games this week. Well, we have made our picks for what they're worth. Biz is worth a whole lot more than mine. Before we get out of here, it's time for Biz's beat. Hey kids, gather around for Biz's beat of the day. Okay, here's Biz's beat of the day. <laughs> As you know, Trent, COVID has made the college football season a complete mess, and in some ways it's kind of a, a joke in some ways. I mean, the most recent last-second change is I just saw that BYU is now playing Coastal Carolina. They announced it what, less than about $40 for kickoff because Liberty can't play and BYU is jumping in. With all of these last-minute changes and adjustments, it is time – Scott, or for not Scott Pollard, but the Jamie Pollard and Barta to get together and figure out a bowl 
that they can play Iowa, Iowa State. There's absolutely no reason they can't this year. Everything else is just kind of thrown out the window, and they're making it up as they go along. Why can't they do that? I mean, this would be uh, – imagine how fun it would be getting ready to, for that game right now. It's, it's, Iowa State is in the middle of, if not the best, very close to their best season of all time, and, and Iowa's had a resurgence and playing really well. Make it happen. Every, every other game is just going to be made up on the fly. Let's uh, – Let's figure out a bowl that would like to host Iowa, Iowa State, and let's make it happen on, the, on New Year's Day. You're in. You're in for that one. You want to see it? Iowa State. Sure, I want to, sure I want to see it because we're going to beat them. <laughs> that's what the truth is. Well, that, that's the, what I figured. The Big 12 sucks, Trent. I mean, let's just be honest. It, it's good for Iowa State. I mean, I, I'm very impressed with what they've done because he's got them – they play hard, they play smart football, and you don't even have to be talented in the Big 12. If you play hard and you play smart, you're going to win 75% of your game. I mean, Texas literally handed the football game to them last week. I mean, they had you – know, it, it, it was shocking how awful Texas played the last eight minutes and how many dumb, dumb decisions they made. And that's just across the board in that conference. So, uh, yes, I want to see that game because we will beat them once again. That's what you want more than anything. Makes sense, Biz. Fun stuff this week, a big one in basketball next week, and have to figure out, are we going to want to probably react to what we see in the UNC-Iowa game next Tuesday? So, what, Wednesday, Thursday next week sound good? That works for me. Hopefully uh, we can break down three wins, a uh, blowout against Western Illinois and two good wins against uh, the Illini and the, and the Tar Heels. We will try it then, Biz. Good talking with you again. Have a good one. All right, go on.